Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. This is a time of the year when we reach into the Salt and Light Vault and pull out some of our favorite conversations. This week, we celebrate 75 years of service of the Catholic Digest, and their new editor, Danielle Bean, gives us the details of their facelift. Tom Tomasic shares some of his music with us and tells us about what he calls Sunday-to-Sunday living. And are you thinking that you need a guide in your spiritual journey? How about the doctors of the church? Ralph Martin of Renewal Ministries tells us about his book, The Fulfillment of All Desire, and our featured artist of the week is Martin Valverde of Mexico. Remember that you can listen to any of these interviews at any time by simply going to our website, saltandlighttv.org radio, and that's also where you can listen to uninterrupted music, Christian music, like you've never heard before. Email us at radio at saltandlighttv.org and visit us on Facebook. I'm Deacon Pedro, and we begin now with the 75 years of the Catholic Digest. A couple months ago, we spoke with Julie Raddy, managing editor of the Catholic Digest, as they were celebrating their 75th anniversary. And part of this celebration involves a whole relaunching of the magazine with a new look, new size, new content, and a new editor-in-chief, Danielle Bean, who joins me now to tell us all about it. Danielle, welcome to Salt and Light Radio. Thanks so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here with you. Yes, it's a, it's a, a, a very exciting. I'm, I'm sure that you've heard this, and I told Julie, but I'm, I've been a subscriber of the Catholic Digest for 20 years. So I'm a great fan. I love the magazine. Wonderful. So part of me is a little hesitant. So why, <laughs> why are we relaunching? Why fix something that's not broken? <laughs> right, right. I understand that. And a lot, of, a lot of subscribers who love Catholic Digest and love the history of Catholic Digest feel the same way. But the fact is, though, that it's, this is a difficult time for publishers of all kinds and we're all trying to adjust to readers' ever-changing needs and the, the different ways in which people are consuming media, especially print media. Right. And while we don't believe the answer is for all print media to go away, we think we need to be a little bit flexible about what kinds of products we're going to be producing and what kind of a market we're going to be targeting with our magazines. And right. Just be really smart about how we're spending our publishing dollars. Okay, so that's a reason why. So what will change then? Right. Um, well, th- part of this change, um, uh, previously I was editor at Faith and Family magazine, which is no right. longer going to be publishing in that form on its own. And so part of this change is a sort of combining of the content from Faith and Family with the content of Catholic Digest and trying to meet the needs of those two audiences together, which I think is a, a, a challenge, but I'm up for it. And I think that there's a place for a magazine that will speak to Catholics at different places in their faith lives and at different places in their family lives. Whereas, um, you know, you might have an older, on average, reader of Catholic Digest and a younger, on average, reader of Faith and Family who's more in the throes of family life. But I think there's room for, for bridging that gap and finding the common areas of interest for Catholics at different ends of the spectrum. Okay, but but it seems to me that that uh, um, Bayard Press, who's, I guess, the parent company, has been very careful right. to not say that this is a melding of the two magazines. Well, we're, 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 yeah, we're not going to be calling it that, for sure. But, we, you know, we're being very overt in the way that we're combining the content. You know, we changed mm-hmm. the, the tagline of Catholic Digest, for example, to say, Faith and Family Living. And there are some departments from Catholic Digest, from 
sorry, from Faith and Family that are now right. appearing in the New Catholic Digest. They're okay. more faith and family oriented. But at the same time, I've, I've done my best to be very careful and be respectful of the history and the tradition of Catholic Digest in those departments like Patrick's Corner and yes. Love Your Neighbor that people really appreciate yes. and um, identify with. So I'm trying to be respectful of the history at the same time as we're making these needed changes. Okay, so, so it sounds to me then you're, you're, you're taking all the good things from the Catholic Digest and adding all the good things of faith and family. It's my hope that that's what I'm doing, and we're very open to reader feedback, and we've gotten quite a bit, and I'm hoping to get more. People can always contact me at editor at catholicdigest.com and let me know what you like, what you might miss that no longer is in Catholic Digest, or if you were a faith and family subscriber, let me know how you're feeling about the, the switch to the Catholic Digest content. The more feedback we get, the better we can serve our readers' needs. Right, no, that sounds good. Um, um, you... N- you mentioned that you had been the editor of Faith and Family. You will continue now as editor of Faith and Family Live.com, which is going to be the online version kind of what right. remains of the... That's correct. There's quite a community that we've worked to build there, and I'm, I'm thankful that the company is holding on to FaithandFamilyLive.com because it's, it's really a valuable resource for um, all different kinds of Catholics, but particularly Catholic women who are involved in their family lives mm-hmm. in particular. I mm-hmm. think it's a real useful, encouraging resource for them. So that resource will, will be there. How much is CatholicDigest.com changing? Um, it's hardly changed at all so far. Um, right now we're really focused on the print version, and eventually we will get there and hope to build a similar community at CatholicDigest.com, but there's very little that's immediately changing there. Right. So now, uh, again, to talk about a little bit about your, your past, so you, you, you were editor of Faith and Family magazine, but you also did some writing for the Catholic Digest. Sure, yes. I, I've, I've worked for a long time as a freelance writer, so I, I'd had experience in um, lots of different magazines, including Catholic Digest. And, and would you be writing mostly on faith and family issues? Or, um, I mean, on, in Catholic Digest, it, well, previously it was, it was a lot of reprints. It was making up a lot of the content, so it wasn't that I was writing fresh material, but some of my material from faith and right. family, perhaps, and other places were appearing there. What, uh, what is your, um, I guess, hope for, for the new Catholic Digest? My what real hope say? is that it can be a real useful encouraging, forward-looking tool for Catholics of lots of different kinds, because I'm not interested in politicizing the magazine or turning it into something that's divisive, because, you know, here in, in the United States, we, we have our, our way that we like to talk about certain kinds of Catholics, and we'll put an adjective yes. before it, whether yes. it's a conservative Catholic, a liberal Catholic, yes. a faithful Catholic, or whatever Catholic. Yes. I'm not interested in the magazine representing any kind of Catholic except just Catholics and really celebrating our unity as a church and really bringing people together who could be at very different places in their faith lives. Some of us are, are just starting out and maybe wanting to explore a little bit, learn a little more about our faith. Some of us are very solid in our faith, but looking for resources to encourage us and support us in that faith journey. Yeah, no, and I think that that's very true. In fact, the Catholic mm-hmm. Digest as it is, I really felt already did that. Mm-hmm. There was something there. I'm glad to hear that because that has Absolutely. been a goal of Catholic Digest for many years. Absolutely. I, I even felt, and I know you have a lot of non-Catholics who read the magazine, uh, maybe even subscribe to it, um, that there's, there's something there for everyone and for every stage in, in your faith, uh, level of faith, if, if I can say that. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely. So I'm looking forward to, to this other, to the other aspect. Um, and, and, and sorry to keep coming back to this whole faith and family thing. Sure. Um, I understand that you're a mother of eight. I am. So being a mom is a huge part of your life. 
Absolutely. Yep. It's it's really uh, my my first and foremost job. I, it's I like your to vocation. Call it Absolutely. My other day job is what I do. Catholic Digest. So how is that? How is being a mom, a, a wife, a, a woman, a family, uh, influencing your work at the Catholic Digest? Well, I think um, some people think it must deplete me and exhaust me, but I really find yes. that the opposite is true. That my faith is enriched and my work is enriched by this this life giving vocation that God has called me to, which is my family life, which is serving my family in my home first and foremost, and I find that it feeds all other aspects of my life, and there's such grace that flows from fully embracing a vocation like that, that I think naturally it lends itself to other projects that I take on, whether it be Faith and Family or Catholic Digest and other writing projects. I, I find that it's a very natural flow for me to the, the graces and the, the kind of life and energy that comes from my, my home life and my family and my primary vocation to motherhood. Right. I find it really feeds those other parts of my All life. Right. Okay, so then the new the new and improved Catholic Digest is coming, I guess it's out already because it's the it March is, issue, the March right? issue has been uh, reaching readers in the past couple of weeks, so we're yes. really starting to get initial feedback from people. Okay, great. So there's a new look, there's a new size, is it new look more size, like a magazine? It's bigger, yes, and that's something I'm really happy with. Um, it's not a full-size, you know, as, as Faith and Family was a full-size magazine. Right. It's really a happy medium, I think, that it's still small enough to be portable and fit in your pocketbook, but it's a little bit larger. It's a 6 by 9 so that we have a little more room to do some more visual elements and really add a little bit of beauty and visual appeal to the pages Great. of the magazine. Oh, good. I'm looking forward to I haven't received. I always mind the ones here to Canada seem to come a little late. Oh, we, we always leave them. you guys last, huh? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> it just takes longer to get up here. Yeah. But but I'm looking forward to receiving it. And Danielle, it's been a great pleasure uh, speaking to you. And, and again, I'm a great fan, so keep whatever you guys are doing, keep doing it because oh, it's Oh, thank you so much for your encouragement. It means so much. So thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Danielle Bean, she's a mother of eight. She's the new editor-in-chief of the Catholic Digest and of faithandfamilylive.com. She is also author of My Cup of Tea, Musings of a Catholic Mom, and Mom to Mom, Day-to-Day Advice and Support for Catholic Living. You can find out more about her at daniellebean.com, and you can also learn more about the Catholic Digest at catholicdigest.com. Here now is our featured Artist of the Week, Tom Tomasek, with his song Grateful, sung by Steve Angusano and Sarah Hart. Ancient, holy, living Lord He 
was Tom Tomasek's Grateful, sung by Steve Angrisano and Sarah Hart. Tom Tomasek is an author, composer, educator, and liturgical musician. He's also a popular presenter for national and regional events and retreats, which is how I got to know him while he was events coordinator for Oregon Catholic Press. Now, Tom has launched a new venture with his wife, Kimmy, an online and events-based outreach called The Five Loaves. Earlier this week, I spoke to Tom, who told me all about it. Hello, Tom. Welcome to Salt and Light Radio. Good morning, Pedro. So, Tom, we met, um, I was trying to think, about 10 years ago. You had already been at Oregon Catholic Press for about four or five years. Yes, that's true. That's a... Sorry, go ahead. Well, no, we were were getting ready uh, and prepared for uh, our participation in World Youth Day in Toronto. Yeah, exactly. When we met. And, I mean, I always think of you as this man who's going to events and, and doing workshops and always kind of your hand in, 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 uh, in events and that kind of thing. So it seems when I heard of you starting this new ministry, it kind of made sense. But I, I have to be honest with you that I don't totally understand <laughs> what the new ministry is. Um, it's, it's an event-based outreach. I'm not quite sure what that means. So can you explain what The Five Loaves is? Sure, sure. I would, uh, I would do even a better job, but the Holy Spirit keeps uh, still revealing this to us over time. And that's really kind of the uh, essence of it, is uh, how do you listen to the Holy Spirit in your life, and, and how does the Holy Spirit prompt you to do the work that, uh, that God's will asks for us, as, as we hear in t- this morning's Gospel? You know, the kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. <laughs> right. That means uh, our time now. So the focus of the five loaves, as, as it's been revealed to us over the last couple of years, is <clears throat> to help people uh, share their experiences of God, that holy longing, between Sundays um, uh, in, their, in their daily lives. How do they live that Eucharistic spirituality out from day to day? Okay. And uh, so we're thinking that it's going to take take uh, three three pieces to the to shaping that one is to to just do events where we help to bring people to that greater awareness um, uh, across the country and 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 internationally as well um, but also the website uh, and the resources and the events that will happen right on the website okay. uh, we hope to by the uh, by the time we launch at Pentecost we'll be featuring a weekly vidcast where we'll uh, present the notions of uh, the Sunday Gospels and try to take that into daily life. Okay, daily so it's v- okay. So then it's very specific of that s- kind of Sunday to Sunday everyday living. Yes, mm-hmm, very much. But so. based Between Sundays, but, yes. but 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 based on the scripture readings or the themes of the Sundays, so that we yes. can kind of flesh mm-hmm. them out through mm-hmm. the week. Right, right. You know, for the last five years at Oregon Catholic Press, I've been focused on the New Roman Missal and, and uh-huh. preparing for this day. And I think one of the things that's become very apparent to me is is that um, while we do a wonderful job of preparing for Sundays, we don't always do a great job of helping people prepare for the every day in between right. Sundays. And that's really the focus of this ministry now, is just getting people to kind of uh, focus on the way they live the gospel spirituality every day. Okay, let me ask you then. So Between Sundays, Spiritual Practices for Every Day sounds like the tit- everyday living, sounds like the title of a book. It's going to be a book, yes, Okay. It will be. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then, so then again, this is one other resource that you're hoping to offer so, to help people with their everyday living. Right. Well, and as you know, in these days, you know, uh, all the media contribute, and people, different people respond to different media 
uh, in uh-huh. different ways. Yeah. You know, so the written word, the spoken word, yes. the sung word are all ways that people have access to and, and are encouraged and uh, inspired to, to live the gospel. Right. Now, I think most of our listeners are familiar with the story of the, the five loaves and the two fishes. Jesus multiplies the five loaves. So what is the significance of that in terms of the resources that you're offering? Sure. Well, I think, you know, for me, the, the, the really uh, powerful image is certainly, of course, of Jesus' uh, you know, invitation to the, to the disciples to feed the, to feed the people themselves and asking them to sit down and really discover the gifts that they already had. And, and the young man that was standing there, and I hear, overhearing you know, Jesus and the disciples talking about this, I think is, for me, the operative uh, image. It's like that I've given him a name, you know, Little John. You know, uh-huh. I think Little John has grown up now, you know, and he's asking the question, how do I share what I have? Right. How do I share what I do every day uh, uh, to live the gospel? So the five practices um, really uh, relate to those early experiences of the Christian Church, mm-hmm. the, the disciples of uh, hospitality and teaching and praying and uh, evangelization and really diaconia, giving the gifts. Right. Um, we've used those five Greek ways of talking about the early Church's charisms as the practices that really still need to continue. To, so. Interesting. You mentioned that it's the, the Greek because you mentioned diaconia. Yeah. So koinonia. Koinonia yeah, so is there, hospitality. Yeah. Didache is uh, the teaching. teaching. The teaching charism. Yeah. Liturgia, of course, praying, the work of the people. Yeah. And kerygma yes. is evangelization. Evangel- That's the one that I think has the strongest potential. When, when I've been doing the pilot events, um, uh, that's the place where people have easy, seem to have the easiest access to understanding. How do we tell those t- stories of grace and blessing? You know, the ways that God has already been working in our lives, and we never really opened our eyes to it. And, and when we're pushed to think about that, we, we realize that miracles are happening in our lives every single day, you know, in, in different ways. And, and when we tell those stories to others, that's when it becomes evangelical and, and you know, evangelistic in the best way. Yeah, and I mean, if, I, if you asked Joe Blow on the street, how would you, evanc- uh, 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 how would you define evangelizing? Nobody, they wouldn't say it's telling stories of grace and blessing, but that's a no. great way to define evangelizing. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. And, it's not and that's so what happens when you do. Uh, and I, I use this example, I'll just tell you quickly. Yeah. Uh, w- one of the men in, in one of the pilot times uh, was talking about, he says, I didn't realize this at the time, but two years ago we, lost, we thought we had lost our son to drugs and a really bad life and so forth. And, and somehow, out of the grace of God, he met this young woman and they, and they started going together. Well, worse turned to worse, they got pregnant. Hmm. And so we're thinking, oh my gosh, you know, he's just off the deep end, there's no way. He said, two weeks ago, I saw my son hold his young daughter. They got married, they had the child. When I saw him look at her with eyes of love, hmm. I knew he was back. Yeah. Can you imagine that? I That's mean, you know, for a father to realize that, that even through circumstances that didn't even make any sense, God's action was still working. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And that's blessing. That's the blessing. Absolutely. Okay, so then those are the five, like there are five, the radical hospitality, praying, teaching. Yes, right. Uh, praying tell- always and always, seeking uh-huh. the teachings, 
telling stories of grace and blessing and then giving your gifts. Giving your gifts. Interesting. So, and I, and I presume, so then everything you do is sort of uh, grounded or anchored on those five practices? Yes, yes it will. Mm-hmm. We really see, you know, it's, it's good to return to the early church's understanding of how to live the gospel. And uh, so we'll be trying to express those in ways that make sense for our current day and age. Right. Okay, so uh, you mentioned that you would be, uh, part of the ministry would involve organizing or participating in events across the country. So how do you see that working? I mean, are we, because I, I think of, can I go to another conference and not see Tom Tomasek? <laughs> 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 but it sounds like you still will be doing that just in another capacity. Yes, well, you know, at conferences, people have an opportunity to come and hear a variety of speakers and, and touch on a number of topics, and they'll certainly be able to do that, and that's been my work uh, for many years. But, but uh, my hope is, is to do much more of a parish mission kind of okay. uh, opportunity. So between Sundays, in its best form, is a, is, is a two-day experience uh, within a parish or within a parish area, ch- a church uh, because one of the things we want to do is to be able to open up the doors to our Christian brothers and sisters and say, this is work that we need to do collaboratively. Sometimes. Right, mm-hmm. right. Now, when I first met you, mm-hmm. I think the first image I had of you was uh, a, a musician. I think, in fact, we met at John Michael Talbot's 20th anniversary gathering right. of musicians. Um, right. So where does music fit into this whole uh I guess, umbrella, this whole plan? Oh, absolutely uh, woven throughout. It, it really is, um, you know, kind of at the heart of the matter. I think music has the ability to tell the message and tell the story in ways that are evocative and mm-hmm. in ways that touch the heart. <clears throat> and so um, I'm not sure exactly who coined the term. I think it might have been Susan Hukong Taylor uh-huh. referred to herself as a musicianary. <laughs> um, yes, and uh, it, and in a lot of ways, I think that's what I have always been. You know, music has always been a part of my teaching and my proclaiming the gospel. Right, and uh, so I want to still find ways to use the songs, even new songs that we're just uh, creating now, to be able to tell and express that. Message. Right, and we've had a, t- a chance to hear some of those. So you hope that you'll be continue uh, composing. I don't know how much time you had to compose while you were at Oregon Catholic Press, but so you hope that you'll be able well, to. Well, that was a tough part. Yes. I mean, when you're in administration and working with composers, there's very little time for you to do that yourself. Yeah, exactly. Um, No, so that's good. So I'm looking forward to more recordings then, right? Yes, we're going to, we'll have some new songs posted when the website goes into its next phase of of development, and uh, we'll have a little CD out this spring, so. Okay, and you mentioned that the official launch date for the Five Loaves will be Pentecost Sunday? Yes. Mm-hmm. So as of Pentecost Sunday, everybody should go to thefiveloaves.com and check out all the resources. You're, you're going to start, you said, with a weekly webcast? Correct, correct. We'll, we'll have a number of things uh, posted before that. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you know, in, in, in these days of, of uh, electronic media, it takes a while to build things. Right. And so we want to do some of that initially, and we'll be doing that throughout the spring. Right. But we hope that, the, that Pentecost will really be that time when everything is sort of congealed together and ready. People can already go to the yes. website and see sort of the nature of the practices and, yes. uh, and sign up uh, to, to uh, get further announcements. So we'd hope people could do that. Yeah, okay, so then that's good. Now, I, I, I did go to the website, and I was, was browsing around, and, and I saw that there's another sort of offering in the works called, because we got the five loaves, 
and now I read something about the two fishes that's coming up. <laughs> the two fishes. So what is that? That, that might be too obscure, but we realized <laughs> that <laughs> resources are a big part of everything, you know. And so besides the five loaves, there were two fish, you know. And, yeah. and uh, there's a lot of wonderful uh, resources that are out there that people don't always necessarily have an opportunity to experience especially video resources. Right. Uh, so, many, so many of the uh, Catholic artists and uh, um, speakers and that have, have video products that uh, people don't uh, get a chance to see. Right. So the Two Fish is really going to be a very active resource center around the five practices. Well, kind of bite-sized things for everyone, so it makes it easy to find things and, right. to, and to get to the... To the uh, material that you might want to, yeah. to, to serve you. So I, l- I love the idea that, that we're talking about uh, food and that the, in, in many ways that's what you're hoping to do to help people be fed. Not only to be fed, but also to feed one another yeah. and to feed themselves. You know, I, I, everyone has a spirituality, and so it's time to stop you know, thinking about it as a future thing, but feeding it now and understanding how we feed it and what, we, what, what kind of food we desire. And that Eucharistic food, of course, that feeds us on Sundays yes. um, is, is certainly the, the, the prime thing. But we need to be able to eat the rest of the week. And how do yes. we do that? How do we seek the teachings? How do we seek right. community? All those things are critical and important. It's very true, very true. So um, um, thank you for doing that, and thank you for sharing it with us today. Looking forward to Pentecost Sunday then. Again, people should check out the website, thefiveloaves.com and the big launch on Pentecost Sunday, and uh, keep uh, your eyes on the two fish that are on the grill. <laughs> love it, love it. Okay, thank and you. And make sure that they say The Five Loaves, so there's a lot of websites out there, but that's the one that's ours. Okay, so thefiveloaves.com. Thank you, Tom Tomasek, Pastoral Director of The Five Loaves. Thank you for speaking to us today. Thanks, Pedro. God bless you. That was Pastoral Director of The Five Loaves, Tom Tomasek. I spoke to him earlier this week. If you'd like to find out more about The Five Loaves and spiritual practices for everyday living, visit thefiveloaves.com. Here now is a song many of you will recognize, written by Tom Tomasek and Steve Angrisano. Go make a difference, we can make a difference. Go make a difference in the world. Go make a difference, we can make a difference. In the world, go make a difference. We can make a difference. Go make a difference in the world. Go make a difference. We can make a difference. Go make a difference in the world. We are the salt of the earth. Come to let the people see the love of God in you and me. We are the
Hello and welcome to Salt and Light Radio, Part 2. I'm Pedro Guevara Mann. Now, throughout my life, I've tried reading some of the church fathers and doctors of the church, St. Augustine or St. Teresa of Avila. I even tried reading St. John of the Cross in Spanish. But I always have a hard time. I have to read each paragraph four times. I don't know if it's the translations or the fact that they wrote for another time in other cultures, or maybe I'm just not ready to read what they wrote. But then... I was given a book called The Fulfillment of All Desire, a guidebook for the journey to God based on the wisdom of the saints by Ralph Martin. In fact, it was Ralph Martin who gave me the book to help me understand some of these doctors of the church. And so I'm very happy to welcome Ralph Martin to our program today. Ralph, welcome to Salt and Light Radio. Thank you, Pedro. It's good to be with you. I know. Um, So why did you write the book? Well, I wanted to know what was available in terms of the best wisdom the Church had about how to really cooperate with God's plan to bring us into complete and full union with Him. And I knew that, you know, there was wisdom in these doctrines of the Church in the area of spirituality, the ones you mentioned, and more. Mm-hmm. And when I first tried to read them, I, I couldn't get it either. I found it really hard. And then about 15 years ago, it's like the light started to go on, and I felt like almost like the Lord wanted me at this point to understand it. Right. And and the more I read these these uh, men and women, uh, you know, like Teresa and Therese and John of the Cross and Francis de Sales and uh, other people, mm-hmm. I was really struck by how harmonious their wisdom was, and they were really talking about the same action of God and the same wisdom, but they each had their own little kind of thing to add to it. Right. And I thought, wow, if you could ever collect together all this wisdom and put it in an organized, clear, orderly, easy-to-understand way, mm-hmm. you'd have an amazing guide you know, for the spiritual journey. So that, that's what I did. It took me 10 years, but <laughs> I did it, and I, it's the book I always wanted, wished I had. So it's the book, the book that you could never find for yourself. You decided right. to write it. Um, how much of how much of the book is is a guide to help people like me understand what the doctors of the church wrote, and how much of it is just a guide, as you desc- as you describe in the title, a guide for this journey or spiritual journey? Well, it's a guide for the spiritual journey because. This is what all these doctors of the Church were really about, offering guidance on the spiritual journey. But what I've done in the book is kind of take what they they have and put it in, you know, contemporary language and put it in a clear, orderly way so you don't get lost along the way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there's like a beginning, a middle, and the end to the journey, and you run into different things along the way. and this like tremendous insight that each one has about mm-hmm. different aspects of the journey and it's it's pretty it's a pretty comprehensive uh, map i would say right so uh, i sometimes wonder i guess most people catholics in general don't get to uh, to read or to hear about the writings of some of these saints the mm-hmm. doctors of the church um and i always find that 
you know, it's like we're stuck in, in, in either catechism. The, the, I don't want to say the catechism is the do's and don'ts, but for, for, for a lot of people they are. Mm-hmm. And then there's this other stuff. Would you say that the wisdom of the saints, how is it related to, to sort of the, the catechism? Yeah. And, because it's, it's when people talk about tr- the tradition or the magisterium, how much of that is the wisdom of the saints, the doctors of the church, and how much of that is this other stuff? Is there a difference? Well, you know, it, it all is supposed to work together for one purpose, like the, the doctrine, the truths of the faith, the sacraments of the church, uh, the devotional practices, mm-hmm. the structures of the church, the parish, the diocese. They're all actually supposed to be in the service of bringing human beings into deep and profound and eternal union with God. Mm-hmm. So spirituality is a little bit like where the rubber hits the road. You want to speak, say, you know, like where all the doctrine and all the structures and all the the aspects of the life of the church come together in the soul of the individual believer right. and help that individual believer really kind of give themselves more and more fully to God and live in union with Him. So it's sort of like the uh, the last link in the chain. The, the last link? Well, in terms of you know, you get baptized as a baby. Oh, I see. Okay. You know, you you enter, you know, you go through the different sacraments, and all these things are about bringing us into deep union I with see. the Lord. I see. And what the spiritual wisdom of the saints does is kind of help us understand what's going on in the sacraments, help us know how to cooperate with the action of the Holy Spirit, help us know how to interpret the pro- problems right. and obstacles and frustrations and failures and suffering that we encounter right. along the way. Yeah, okay, so that makes sense. So then I don't feel so bad about the fact that 20 years ago I didn't get it because... I wasn't at that stage in my so it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I in mean, it, it, it's it's an, it's a process of progressive awakening to what this is really all about and what I've always known and always believed, but now it's becoming realer and realer and more and more personal and more and more meaningful and more and more actually making a difference in my life. I hope I'm not kind of treading on dangerous ground here because we we believe that the the fullness of revelation is in scripture. Um, but is it fair to say that that the revelation? God's revelation to us is uh, is still contained in the writings of the saints. Well, I, I would say that the the wisdom, the the revelation of God is contained in Scripture and tradition. And uh-huh. I would say that the writings of the saints have become part of the spiritual tradition, but it, illumin- it illumines what's given in uh, in Scripture and what's been passed on by the apostles. Like, for example, we read in Scripture all your waters pass over me, uh, you know, I'm in darkness, I'm crying out for help. And then right. John of the Cross then kind of goes into depth about what that experience is like and what it means and how to handle ourselves when it seems like all the waters are pouring over us and we're right. sinking and all our enemies are, are arrayed against us. It sort of like unfolds the personal meaning of Scripture right. and tradition uh, in, in our lives. Right, and the, re- the reason why I'm asking is because since I spoke to you a week ago, in the last week, I've heard from two people. In fact, one of them is Deacon Alex Jones, who said that he was brought to the Catholic Church because of the the early writers, the early mm-hmm. Christian fathers. Mm-hmm. And then at the Ordinandi dinner last week, one of the seminarians said the same thing. He, he became a Catholic because of the writings of the Church, mm-hmm. the doctors of the Church. Mm-hmm. And so it made me think that there's that the Holy Spirit. We, we talk about how the Holy Spirit is in you know the, the scriptures are alive. Mm-hmm. the Word of God, how mm-hmm. much of that is true? Mm-hmm. And I don't see why I think it's a maybe dangerous, because I, I don't know if I want to equate it, Scripture with some of these writings. 
No, you, no, it can't. There's nothing. There's nothing on the same level as as, as sacred scripture and sacred tradition, and and there's nothing on the same level as sacred scripture and the early fathers of the church. But what these later doctors of the church, uh, some of whom are early fathers and some are, are later doctors, um, uh, what they do is unfold mm-hmm. what's been given to us and illuminate and you know elaborate on it and connect it with us personally. Right, and because they were people like you and me who lived <laughs> struggles, and and that maybe we can relate to them better. Oh yeah, you know, absolutely. Like like Saint Therese writes that she's been in the convent for almost seven years, and almost every time she she prays, she falls asleep, and right. she's not discouraged because she knows that God loves her even while she's sleeping. Or right. Teresa Avila writes, for 14 years, her mind was like wild horses, and she couldn't pray without reading a book of spiritual reading. And so right. it's really encouraging to me to to know these people don't start off as saints. They, they grow into this holiness and grow into union with God, and they give a lot of tips along the way about how to how to do that ourselves. Right. So if people who are listening right now find themselves struggling, you know, they want to read St. Augustine Confessions, but they just can't, they just mm-hmm. can't get past, what mm-hmm. would you suggest to them? Well, I, that, that's why I wrote this book, honestly. <laughs> uh, it, it, get the it, book. It, it, yeah, it, it, makes, it makes available the, the, the real wisdom of these things without compromise. I'm not kind of dumbing down what they're, what they're giving mm-hmm. to us, but I'm putting it in understandable, you know, language and so the, the book, Fulfillment of All Desire, a, a guidebook for the journey to God based on the wisdom of saints, is I, I, I'd recommend people start there, and then they might want to branch out and start reading the writings themselves. But I contained a lot of, I put a lot of the actual words of these saints and doctors into the book where people can actually have firsthand what they're saying. Right, so, and you focus on seven of them, St. Augustine, yep. St. Teresa, St. Therese, St. Francis of Sales, St. John of the Cross. St. Catherine, oh wait, who am I Catherine Siena and Bernard de Clairvaux. Augustine, yeah. Right, so, yeah. so that would be a good introduction. Those are good seven, seven ones to start with. Yeah, well, the, no, these are the ones that particularly focus on the spiritual journey. Okay. O- others like Thomas Aquinas are like systematic theology, or Alphonse Liguori, moral theology, or John Chrysostom, interpretation of scripture, or others, you know, re- refutation of heresy, but these, there's right. only 33 doctors of the Church, uh-huh. and these are the ones that have a particular gift of helping us understand how to get from baptism to the beatific vision and right. navigate the challenges of daily life. Right, which is what I think where most people are. This is mm-hmm. how we live our Absolutely. life, this is the journey, we're all hopefully pointing in the right direction. Yeah, and salt and light is healthy people on the journey. You know? <laughs> oh, so is Renewal Ministries. Yeah. Um, Ralph, it's been great having you on the program. Thank you for uh, for being with us, for, for, for your friendship, for giving me the book, and, and for telling us about it today. Thank you, Pedro. Ralph Martin has been a leader in renewal movement in the church for many years. He is the founder and president of Renewal Ministries and the host of the weekly program, The Choices We Face. He's also the author of many books, including the book we've just been talking about, The Fulfillment of All Desire, which is available online. You can find it at Amazon and uh, uh, also through Renewal Ministries. And also you should be able to find it at your local Catholic bookstore. It's published by Emmaus Road. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Martin Valverde, with his song, Nadie te ama como yo, which translates to Nobody Loves You Like I Do. Cuando esperado este momento esperado que estuvieras así cuánto esperado que me hablaras 
cuánto he esperado que vinieras a mí Eu sei bem o que tens vivido Sei também que tens chorado Eu sei bem que tens sofrido Pois permaneço ao teu lado Feliz. Eu sei bem o que tens sentido Ainda que nunca me revele
That was Martín Valverde with Nadie te ama como yo, which means nobody loves you like I do. Now, there aren't a lot of Catholic music concerts that I've attended that have had over a few hundred people in attendance. Most of the large venues always happen at World Youth Day. But in 2001, I traveled with an artist who could easily gather over 5,000, maybe 10,000 people in a stadium. People who joined him, they didn't just come to see him, but they joined him in worshiping Christ with Mary, very often in the context of Eucharistic adoration. And that was in Mexico, and his name is Martín Valverde, and I'm very happy to say that Martín joins me now on the phone from his home in Guadalajara. Martín, welcome to Salt and Light Radio. Hello, Pedro. Hello, everybody. I am so pleasure to talk about um, talk, talk, talk with you and talk with people around the world with, with the radio. Um, I'm glad to speak with a friend. A long time. I know it's 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 been a, <laughs> it's been a long time, and it's it's a little weird to speak to you in English, but that's okay. Um, tell me, um, you were not always uh, always super Catholic. You kind of had a little bit of a conversion, and tell us a little bit about how you ended up doing Catholic music in Mexico. Well, that is correct. Um, I, 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 in all my concerts, I always uh, said uh, like a joke that uh, I was a, a light Catholic, something like, like that. Light, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, well, and I was born in Costa Rica. I was born in a, in a regular family with my mom and my sister. Mm-hmm. And, well, and since God, part of my education was... Uh, on the family of the Salesians, people from Don Bosco. Right. And, okay, so that, that people give me the, my basement. They give me everything to work, to the, mor- the morals, the values, everything like that. Yeah. And when I was on my, after, after the high school, and yeah, yeah in, in, in the very beginning of my university, I was in the conservatory in Costa Rica, and for that time, I'm talking about, 30 years now. Okay, so so sorry, so you were in the conservatory because you were studying music. That's correct. Um, that's my career. I, that's what I was studying. I, I am a musician, I'm a professional musician as well. Okay, so, and then of course when you became a follower, uh, a devout follower of Christ, uh, Jesus Christ as a Catholic, then of course it made sense to continue as a musician. How did you end up in Mexico? Well, in 1984, uh, a priest called uh, Padre uh, Alfonso Navarro, he has a very interesting um, um, system for the parish. He, he worked with uh, he, he called um, evangelization. Uh-huh. That's a word that John Paul II uh, put on the on the stage now. And, and yeah. he invited me to play a lot of concerts and in DF Mexico DF. But uh, uh, um, in the in the in the sound very poor with people who needs only uh, not only the gospel but uh, you know uh, all, all the things in intro in, with. Uh, the, the help and not only the gospel, but uh, 
food, yeah. education, and things like that. That the, that the missions make make there. So they, this this father invited me to play there, and for me it was a, 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 an absolute turnaround in many things, especially with with my Catholicism. Because uh, and then in that in that moment, I I can I can tell you I discovered my church working as I never saw it before. You know, in the streets, door by door, helping with. Uh, Many many internal things with the people, uh-huh. and well, and when I discovered that, I'm, I I felt a call. That that was a great surprise, let me tell you. But yeah. because I never expected something like that, but uh, I, I I received the call to go to Mexico, and well, uh, I always said when, when the people ask me why Mexico, <laughs> I always answer them, well, that's the, the place of the headquarters of the Guadalupana. That's why I'm here. Right, right, right. And that happens. That often happens. That is, you know, we are invited somewhere. It's, and it's Christ inviting us, and that's where he needs us. Um, the The Holy Father is going to be in Mexico next week. And uh, can you tell us a little bit about, I mean, we think of Mexico as a Catholic country. The church might be strong in Mexico, but maybe that's not really the case. How, how do you see the state of the church in Mexico right now? It's a very good question. It's a very good question because, uh, uh, well, I, I, we, went, we make a joke here in Mexico that uh, has, has a many philosophical mean behind is that that is uh, you can find in Mexico more people well, what we call more, more Guadalupians than, than Catholics. Catholics yes <laughs> yes yeah you know that yeah 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 and, I've seen that. Uh, well uh, in this moment the church is uh, uh, in the process uh, uh, taking many things that uh, need to take uh, and go to the, the basis again to, to evangelize um, uh, I think it's a uh, uh, it's a good moment because uh, we need, as a church in Mexico, to reveal you some, some, so many things that we put aside when we need to put them from, like uh, go with the gospel, with speak with the people, and, and don't don't expect that the people come to the church. Uh-huh. And, and, and the, the option is go out to our church and talk about the, the gospel. But that um, you know the, the government and. Uh, the, the, the political way in Mexico now is, is not the best. Mexico was, uh, is in the middle of a real violent situation now. Right. Uh, all, all, all around the country, especially on the border. Yes. And of course, uh, we need to do something about it. But I'm glad, I'm glad to tell you that the church is working step by step around that. But it's, it's a moment where I think that the, the visit of the Pope will be a, a good new, new fresh air for this, for, the, for this moment. Yeah. Listen, we're going to be playing... Uh, uh, one of your most recent songs, which has a, an interesting name, Wapariri, and I, th- I thought it'd be neat to uh, to ask you if you could explain a little bit of what that song is for our yes, English-speaking listeners. Sure. <laughs> it's not the first time the song said that. Even Peter and Pedro behind the mic, mic asked me, "What is that?" Yeah, that what song, language is that? I have a, a, the gift of my God of a, a special kid in our home. I, we have a, I have three kids, and my third one. The, is uh, one with cerebral, cerebral palsy. Cerebral, so you have your your third son has cerebral palsy. Uh-huh. That's correct. That's correct. So he is a special guy. Uh-huh. <laughs> every side. He, he, and he loves the music. He loves the music. He plays all the time. He wants to sing my songs. Uh, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And when he's happy, this is most of the time. Uh, yes. He has a special expression in his lips. Uh-huh. Uh, w- w- walking around the house. Wapariri, Wapariri, that's what, that's what it is. Even when you hear the song now, you're going to hear a little guy 
saying that. And that's my song. That's Pablo talking right. about uh, singing, uh, singing his part around the house. And well, it's like, uh, for, uh, for understanding, it's like a Catholic or Christian way to say Hakuna Matata. <laughs> right, right, right. No worries. Yes, yeah, you know where because God is in charge. Wapariri. So it's almost like you you wrote this with the words of your son. That's correct. That you know, many years to hear it, and in my last album, I I, I decided no, 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 no. This, this this can be only expression. I had to make a song to speak about this. I love it. Thank you, and it's a great song. So I, I hope that our listeners will will enjoy. And you it. wanna feel the the reading? The reading, even you un, you don't understand the, the word, you're gonna feel the reading. Yes. No. It is. It, it, it's a great, and it's got a great little kind of very. Uh, uh, I don't want to say childlike, but kind of youthful feel to it. The song. Yes, that's correct. It's good. Anyway, Martin, that's all the time we have, but it's been great having you on the program. Thank you so much. Enjoy the Holy Father's visit. That's always great renewal for the church. And you know this because you've been around. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's been a great pleasure to talk to you and to have you on the program. Yeah, God bless everybody. Please pray, Please pray. pray for us. We're going to be in Cuba this, this weekend. You're going to find out every, every information in www.martinvalverde.com. Absolutely, yes. So if you go to that website, martinvalverde.com, you'll find out. I mean, Martin's busy traveling all over the place. So uh, uh, you're going to Cuba before the Holy Father goes to Cuba So to, to kind of set the way. Um, thank you very much, Martin Valverde. He's a singer, songwriter, and evangelizer um, from Mexico. You can purchase his music and learn all about him. Again, it's martinvalverde.com. We're going to put that link on our site so you can find it easily. And here now is Martin with that song that he wrote with the words of his son, Wapariri. Que recorre mi casa feliz Un profeta infalible que Dios me mandó Es otro Pablo, un apóstol pequeño de Dios Y nos reparte un mensaje del cielo Que Dios cuida siempre de los más débiles Y en los pequeños siempre está su mirada Que lleva cuenta hasta de nuestros cabellos No tiene caso preocuparse por nada Dios es de los más sabios y solo aquel que se haga un niño ese lo va a disfrutar and that concludes this special edition of the Salt and Light Hour remember to visit us at saltandlighttv.org slash radio thank you for listening I'm Deacon Pedro and this has been a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour Wapariri, wapariri, dum dum derorum. Wapariri, dum derum derorum. Wapariri, wapariri, dum dum derorum. Wapariri, dum derum derorum. Wapariri, wapariri, dum dum derorum. Wapariri, wapariri, dum derorum. Wapariri, wapariri, dum dum derorum. Wapariri, wapariri, dum dum derorum. Wa-pa-dee-dee-dum-ba-dee-dee-dum-dum-dee-dum-dee-dum-dee-dum-dee-dum-dee-dum-dee-dum-dee-dum-dee-dum-dee-dum-dee-dum-dee-dum-dee-
Esperando.